Welcome to Drunk on Comics, episode 226. Derek and I ventured down to Grand Rapids Comic Con over the weekend and had a blast talking to many creators as well as friends in the industry. We were able to sit down with Travis McIntyre from SourcePoint Press and learned a lot of news about what's going on in their world. We also briefly talked to Dirk Manning, and we got a little bit into the feud that we had created on Twitter with the whole karaoke situation. We're definitely going to be talking to Dirk come the next couple weeks when he unveils his new Kickstarter campaign for the Nightmare World Omnibus. And then last but not least is Dan Doherty, and Derek took that one, and they pretty much exchanged making fun of each other, while also him picking up his commission to announce to the world that him and his wife are having a child. So hopefully you guys enjoy these uh, interviews. We definitely have more that we're lining up in the next couple weeks because we've realized we've been interview short. But with that, grab a beverage, sit back, and enjoy Drunk on Comics podcast, episode 226, live from Grand Rapids Comic Con. Dirk, the disputed champion, because I can't say undisputed, because I don't know about that show last night, man. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just because you don't like the fact that you lost doesn't doesn't tarnish the fact that I murked everyone like I said I would. I mean, Jesus. I mean, we did Ballroom Blitz. We did Eminem. We did Motorhead. We did Pantera. And what, what did you guys do again? Remind me. Well, that's what I was. R- I was remind me. What did you do again? Uh, we only were. What, able what did to you do? Like a song because you because guys... people didn't want to hear it. So let's just move on. <laughs> I won. All right. The champ is here. <laughs> so, all right. I <laughs> <laughs> say we could totally go into a whole rant about the competition, but now that you guys got a new belt. What's that mean for the old belt? Are they going to be coincide? Are you going to have there, different belts? Is there like a, a combined championship going to happen? Like uh, the WWE championship would emerge with the World Heavyweight Champion? Or is it going to be separate straps? Are you going to Mayweather it? You know, you know what? You know, I, I think of like old school Ultimate Warrior with both belts. I think that's fine. Because Dan and I really are the, the tag team champions. Even though it's an intercontinental belt, you know, we, we're very shareful. Um, and now we have this new belt, the, the World Championship. Earned, undisputed, amazing. So I, I think we're. I mean, heavy. Heavy is. You know, they say heavy is the head that wears the crown. I, I think this is a case of now. Uh, heavy is the waist that has the belts. <laughs> so uh, I think we're just going to carry both belts for a while. Um, that world champion belt that Landon a head trinkers made is is incredible. That is yeah, really awesome. nice. I mean, all 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 joking around aside. I mean, it was just awesome. So, um, some interesting things I think are going to come with this because I will admit to you guys, and you can you know, get a hold of Landon about this. When I did Motorhead and uh, Pantera, which I think unquestionably put me over for us to get the world championship, I sang both those songs with Landon. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I didn't think about it at the time because, I mean, let's be honest, I totally over- overshadowed his jabroni ass. <laughs> but. Um, 
I, I can see, you know, it's like I lick my finger, I put it up in the air, and I feel where the wind is blowing. So if anybody has a claim on anything, I can see Landon laying claim on the fact that he has a piece of that belt. So I don't know. You guys should probably just you know get a hold of him on the Facebooks or the Twitters. And oh, maybe we could talk definitely to start back out because that one has to be defended at Cherry Capital. Yeah, that was the deal. He gave it to us that we have to defend it. So I will proudly carry and defend that belt until Cherry Capital. Um, but man, Cherry Capital is a tough room. I mean, I know I go in as the heel. I know. I, I know. <laughs> but then you got baby face. Yeah, baby face Doherty. Uh, yep. Yeah, well, he he is. He's he, well, and and Dan out of all of us is like the real singer. Yep. You know he gets it. He's not wrestling geeks like us. He wants well, he to was go up there singing with other people too. He was like going with the little you know peons of of the world. Like, well, that, that's fine. You know, we we like to spread the love. But well, uh, one of the things I've been thinking of though now, besides there just always have been the one belt, but now that there's another belt that's come out. Right. Really making this a franchise type show like actually having two belts that's for the best duet so that one person right, right. you know you can have the uh, being the, well, the best the best band right but the yeah best the band. best two people that get up there maybe a women's division who knows there i'll tell you what there's a there's a group bubbling up in Toledo, the big titty mannequins <laughs> is their name and, and i'll be out dan and i've talked about this with our with our karaoke tag team championship you know uh the the band we wanted from was forbidden taint Mm-hmm. And it was a big band. Um, uh, John Marroquin, Casey Pierce, Chris, uh, uh, not Chris, Eric Gutierrez, and, and about a thousand luchadors. <laughs> um, we beat them, so we can we we can lick the taint. We don't know if we can handle the titties. So um, it, it's going to be real interesting in Toledo because uh, the big titty mannequins are gunning for us now. I think, like I said, I think we can take the taint. So we're in a very real situation that we could drop the tag team strap in Toledo. I can probably carry that world championship through to um, the Cherry Capital. But man, that's an, that's, an, that's an ugly room. And Landon's got a big, real strong claim to that belt. And then you got the 501st up there at C4. Maybe someday you guys will learn how to sing. <laughs> Derek, Derek is cla- Derek uh, Becker's claiming the Donald Trump card that it was rigged, <laughs> yeah. despite the fact. And I told Derek, I said, now you know how I feel at Cherry Capital. You go out there and just bust your ass, and it's like crickets. So um, it's some interesting times, but but le- but let's make no mistake, the champ is here. Okay. Well, besides karaoke belts yes um let's talk a little bit of real wrestling i mean that has come way far in the last year or so than right, when, right, I've, right. when i've been watching it with the brand split oh my god I, yeah i can't think there was a better thing that happened but then seeing who was going to who i was like that smackdown is getting like not the worst of players but they're they're not getting as big name stars as raw did mm-hmm. so i'm thinking all right smackdown's not going to be the show to watch but holy shit no, that is the show. Smackdown to watch. is the show to watch right now, hands down. And I know not a lot of our listeners are wrestling fans, but I feel like there's more and more within the nerd, you know, con circuit that have started coming around to being like, this shit is gold. It's writing at its finest. Yep. Well, sometimes depending on the show, people, you know, in person playing characters. It's just it's yeah, it's real my, life cosplay. My buddies Riley and um, Riley and Mike, who were at the karaoke yesterday. Mike's the one that sang the Weird Al song to me. Uh, he was jealous of Dan. 
I mean, he's just Tommy Dreamer, Riley. She's dressed up as NWO Hogan, and there's a Macho Man running around here. I saw a Tommy Dreamer earlier. Yeah, that's my that that was that was a uh, Mike from yesterday. Okay. Um, a lot of fans, but yeah, SmackDown is where it's at right now. Raw is an entertainment show. SmackDown's wrestling show. And then for my money, I keep telling everybody, Lucha Underground is the wrestling show. Lucha Underground all day. El Rey Network, oh my God, they started season three. Incredible, incredible, incredible. But for the mainstream stuff, SmackDown is where it's at, and uh, then we got Impact on life support, so. <laughs> yeah. I gotta ask you about something Impact-related. Did you see the final deletion match between yes. Matt and Jeff Hardy? The most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire oh. life. And it's funny because they actually stole a lot of that, I think, from Lucha Underground with, like, really well-produced matches and vignettes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was insane. I mean, and, and they're running with it now. You know, that, yeah. that's the funniest thing. Billy Corrigan loves it, and he's just letting them go wild with it, you know. Well, that's what I feel, though. That's what SmackDown is kind of letting the people progress in how they want to do. Um, right. Seeing Beauty and the Beast, Man Beast, become a thing. Become a thing, right. Yep. Yeah, like a legit tag team, like they're actually winning matches. Yeah, after Heath really trying to find someone, and then Rhino, like, getting picked in. Um, and then also Rhino, who I don't know what his political aspirations still are, but I know that he got on the ballot, or he won this primary in Michigan yeah. here. He's moving ahead, so. I mean, and so, so it would be it. weird how that, if that breaks up the, the, the fantasy team there. I know. Well, I mean, that's a team that can't go forever, but they'll go for a while, and it'll be nice. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Well, it seems like you are getting busy again with all yes, your yes. fans, so we will we'll, talk to and you we'll, And we'll talk about the uh, Nightmare World Kickstarter closer to Halloween. So, Sounds uh, good. We'll be talking. But, yeah, Halloween, Nightmare World 4, Nightmare World Omnibus Kickstarter. Get ready. Thanks, Dirk. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. Yeah. How do you feel like shit the next day? Because someone like tricks me into drinking too much alcohol the night before. I don't know if we really trick you, or this is your body naturally wants to do that. No, it's and because the opportunity. I, end up not, I end up with no ride of my own. And so that just means keep drinking? <laughs> uh, well, no. What happens is I end up with like, all right, I'm ready to go. And someone's like, oh, I, I, I'm going to get one. I, I, got, I just got a drink. I'm like, all right, well, I'll go get one more drink because you're going to finish your drink. I go get one more drink, and I finish my drink, and then I'm like, well, where's Derek? Where'd Derek go? Where's Derek go? God damn it, he's got another full beer. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, I got to get, I, now I have to have another beer. And it's just like this constant stream of, and pretty soon okay. it's like last call. Like, yeah. Like, well, where did time go? Yeah, and then you so see angry? that motherfucker up there, last call, getting one last <laughs> Well, that's what he did to me, too, because I was, I was getting ready to leave. Everyone else was leaving. Oh, yeah, I guess I'm getting one last one. I go, well, fuck it. So, exactly, same point. When your friends are drinking, why not have one more before the night's done? Yeah. Mainly, though, because you want to have fun. You don't want it to end. Yeah. Uh, Not as much fun the next day, though. No. Well, I will say this, though, because for conventions for us, a little more rare because we don't have, like, the time and resources to pay for hotels and go to a lot of them. You, however... You are you are a con man. You are a man of the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in every sense of the word. Yeah, yeah. like l- let's talk about your your busy schedule. Maybe a little personal of what you're doing during the weekdays, but then fuck every weekend seems that you are you're out and about. Yeah, especially lately. This is actually my. Uh, I'd have to double check, but counting one day shows and store signings, I think this is my forty first con or event this year that is insane yeah. you're making Dirk Manning like your bitch yeah, in the Dirk road Manning warrior is, thing he's nothing that guy 
I don't know what he does. It's <laughs> easy life, kicking back, all this bullshit. No, um, I honestly, I have, I made a deal with my wife when I started the company that if she would give me three years to just balls to the wall, like really try to make this thing happen, then you know she would understand and take care of the kids and deal with all of the shit that and. Honestly, like, you know, we don't talk about Laura. Oh, that's my wife, Laura. We don't talk about her a lot, but she's integral to the success of SourcePoint Press. If it weren't for her allowing all this to happen, it, I think many men would not be allowed the freedom to gallivant around the country. Yeah. Um, you know, not, not to mention using a big chunk of our own money to be like, well, I want to start a publishing company. Paper, that's the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, it is surprising, too, because of how out on the road you are. I mean, I've known you for a while, so I do know that you have a wife, but sometimes I kind of forget that, that I, you, you have I someone taking care of home. Two, two small children and <laughs> yeah. a home. Oh, that's, that's also got to be a little difficult. I mean, my brother, he has three kids, so he doesn't really come out a lot more. Um, Derek here, who announced earlier on our show that he's Expecting. pregnant. Yeah, I'm pregnant. pregnant. I'm yeah. pregnant. Yes, it's showing already. Yes, it's a uh, burrito Tony, baby. Tony's baby. Yeah, <laughs> Tony put one in you. Finally. Yeah, he did. <laughs> you gonna make an honest woman out of him? <laughs> he might have to make an honest woman out of me. <laughs> so you're 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 uh, February nineteenth. My wife is going to pop out a child of some February. sort. We don't know what it is, but wow! One Congratulations, thing. man! I, I tell you what, was this planned or unplanned? Uh well, it wasn't like we weren't. Just like no goalie style? Yeah. Like, oh, see if, if it happens, out. it happens, yeah. Yeah, ours was, um, we're pretty sure this isn't happening. Like, oh, fuck, look at this shit. Now what are we going to do? And it's, oh, it's, I wouldn't trade in for anything. It's well, the best. She, it's going to fundamentally change your the, life. The way she told me is just a ridiculous story. Like, it was the day before Father's Day. Um, it was about 7 in the morning. She got up to pee. It took a pregnancy test at the time. And then, obviously, she couldn't go back to sleep. But I'm trying to sleep. So I'm like laying there, and then she's just staring at me for probably like 15 minutes. And then I open my eyes, and she goes, I'm pregnant. And I go, Jesus, is that how to wake someone up? <laughs> and then I drank at 10 a.m. Ours, so. was, uh, ours was, uh, we, would, we flew to China. And um, so uh, it, it took like 36 hours from like driveway to hotel. It's ridiculous, horrible, mm -hmm. you know, 10 hours in a Beijing airport. Airports close at night. You sleep on the floor. We get into Chengdu, which is where my brother lives, and uh, Laura is just, she's sick as shit. But, like, we all feel awful, right? Uh -huh. She's been on a plane. It's terrible. Next morning, we get up. We're all, uh, all going to take this, like, riverboat ride to go see this, like, one of the world's largest stone Buddha things. And she's like, I don't think I can go. I'm just too sick. And then we just figure, like, oh, she's still kind of recovering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no big deal. Uh, I come home at the end of the day, and there's, like, Four pregnancy <laughs> tests lined up on the bed. Yeah, she taken two. So and, yeah. and I'm like, what is all this? And she's like, she's like, one means yes. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. What are these <laughs> things? You know, one means yes. And then it dawned on me, and I was just like, oh, awesome. You know, at first it was like a moment of horror, and then like, oh, this will be fun. Yeah. And she's like, you son of a bitch, I'm gonna murder you. <laughs> but the funny thing is that she like spent the day in because Chengdu is a huge city, but it's not like an international city. So nah. she's in China, China, like trying to find a pharmacy where she can get a pregnancy test that she can read. It's like apparently she bought one, took it, didn't understand it, and went back to it's like a fucking episode it's of in Seinfeld. Chinese. It wasn't a plus or a minus. Yeah. It was like a symbol. Yeah. <laughs> 
So it was it was pretty funny. And you know, we were out there for my brother's wedding. So suddenly, um, not drinking. <laughs> well, we didn't we didn't want to tell it. We told no one. Oh, which because yeah. we don't, you know you don't want to be like. Oh, you're having a wedding? That's cute. We're providing grandchildren. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Dick. You know, so we told no one. But all of a sudden, like, you know, Laura's not drinking. People start smoking. Because in China, it's like everyone smokes. And you can still smoke inside. It's like mm-hmm. heaven. Um, but, you know, people start smoking. She, she, we, we leave. So we had to keep this whole thing under wraps. It was fun. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing about, about having kids. If, I, if we have time for a tangent... Oh, no, it's, that's but, what our podcast is about, is tangents galore. Um, uh, people, I think, often complain about, like, oh, oh, the kids take up so much of my time. Oh. <laughs> that's straight pussy talk. I look back to the time before I had kids, and I'm like, what the fuck was I doing with my life? Right? Like, having the kids forced me to, like, crystallize the things that I really wanted to do and then force myself to make time to do those things because I didn't have a publishing company rolling from coast to coast in the United States when I didn't have kids. You know what I was doing? I was like playing video games and like watching TV shows and I don't even fucking know. I don't have no idea what in the hell was I spending my time on. And then once the kids came, it was like sort of this like, well, fuck, it's just getting real now, and if I really want to do any of these things that I've been talking about for 15 years, I better do them. And then it became like, well, the kid's got to have this shit. These things got to happen. And if I want this to happen, i got to have this much time. So that means a bunch of this extraneous bullshit that's just eating up your time, you're just like, oh, fuck this. This has got to go. This has got to go. This has got to go. And I turned into this like incredibly organized, incredibly driven person because the kids came, because it forced me to be far more like stingy about what I'm going to spend my time on you know so well let's get let's, look what happened right? yeah well so, let's pull it like, back to, so and, take advantage of the fact that this is going to force you to be, to an, be adult. an adult <laughs> you'll be the best podcaster ever yes yeah. Yeah. Going, going global you're going <laughs> to be able you'll be able to stop hanging out with Tony it's going to be great <laughs> <laughs> um so let's let's briefly go your history of what you've done up to now, Source Point Press. I know um, there's Michi- Michigan Collect- Comic Collective, yep. and where that turned into now, where you're so the big I, man uh, on campus. <laughs> King shit of Fuck Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I started off with like the same as a lot of people, and the, and the one the way that I tell people is the easiest way to get started, just by self publishing. I just was like, oh, it'd be fun to write a comic, you know? I love comics. It'd be fun to write one. I'm gonna try it. So I did. You know, hire an artist, get some stuff done, self-publish comic, pay pay to have it printed, whatever. And um, you know, I just started giving it away. You know, I'd go walk in stores, give it to stores, and through the course of doing that, you end up meeting a bunch of other people who are kind of trying to do the same thing. And because I'm sort of naturally bossy, we ended up. Um, it's hard to tell because we hang out with Derek Becker all the time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, well, I'm just like, well, this guy is so fucking bossy. We'll just let that happen. <laughs> Plus, he'll drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, uh, so I was like, you know, we could we could maybe do a thing and, and work together and, and try to make a big book. And it started off like I think there were six of us at first, and then we were like, well, let's we'll do this. It'll be the Michigan Comics Collective, all Michigan guys. We'll do an anthology. It'll be like forty pages long, and we'll just do a small print one. And we'll sell it out at Coys Comics in Saginaw. But Steve Shar, who owns Coys, was one of the guys who wanted to do it. And it was just, this, it was going to be a real small thing. We'd do like 100 copies. And uh, the next time we had a meeting, there was 15 people there. And the next time, which is like two weeks later, the next time, it was like 38 people there. 
you know. So it turned it pretty like very quickly. The book turned got like unmanageably large, right? Mm-hmm. So then we had to be like, okay, some of the stuff you know we're not going to have room for. We no longer going to be able to pay to publish this ourselves. So that's when it was like, well, let's 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 try this at the time this this Kickstarter thing that was not nearly as ubiquitous as it is yeah. now. Um, so so we you know we put up. Uh, what now looks to me like a very rudimentary campaign, <laughs> and uh, and it, it honestly like blew away our expectations entirely. You know, we were asking for two thousand dollars. We ended up making like eight and a half. You know, which doesn't really sound like much, but I mean, at the, t- at the time we were like, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" You know, we basically sold five hundred copies of this unknown people. You know, just just Michigan people. And so I think that's kind of where I really started to break into the scene so to speak mm-hmm. and get known a lot more um, is that like oh this this guy organized this whole thing and this is cool and this is a this is a, you know our whole mission statement was like take Michigan people and give them an easy way because publishing's hard you know there's a bunch of nuts and bolts that you never hear about and you fuck shit up and you're kind of, it's like dealing with the printer and making sure everything's right and, and diamond oh I don't even I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> I, I don't even want to get into all that I know that's that's your trigger word <laughs> oh god well, now, at the time, that wasn't even on the radar. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, we, we started getting a lot of attention for it, for the MCC. And that was really fun. Through the course of all that, I met, you know, Josh Werner, Trico Luckins, uh, the guys who founded SourcePoint Press. And they were sort of doing this, a similar thing. SourcePoint started off as, you know, them self-publishing a book. And then it turned into, like, well, let's let's do the same thing. We'll bring in, we'll do some anthology for prose stuff and some little things and then all of that. And, and we became friends, and um, ultimately we just sort of naturally started working. Like me and Josh, especially, are like two halves of the same of like one very effective human, mm-hmm. right? Like if we were only one person, we'd be like a very high achiever, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, you know, but we work really well together, and we're really good at different aspects of the thing. So, you know, ultimately, um, I you know I kind of came in and ended up sort of taking over leadership of the company and then this is about two years ago now you know so we wanted to really grow and we wanted to be we didn't want to be a vanity press we didn't want to be wanted to we wanted to turn into a real publisher um so you know i I, you know the business plan and investment and some some real capital and um i mean in my opinion i think i think it shows i mean we're still definitely growing but um I think, I mean, like, well, you guys, you guys were around and knew who we were when we were just getting started, and you see where we're at now. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got literally 10 times the titles. I was going to say, even from C2E2 to now, your table, it looks like it's grown exponentially. Right. Uh, we have just way more titles. We move way more copies. We have well, far you, larger distribution. You split up your team to cover more ground. Like, oh, yeah. Half of you guys aren't even here. No, and... half, well, yeah. You know, Josh is doing a, a Dark History Con in Illinois the same weekend. You know, I'm here. Uh... And that happens. We're, we're we're doing that multiple times coming up. Like next weekend, there's another show. Um, there's the Wednesday after that show. There's a store signing. Though that weekend after the store signing is Pittsburgh, and then the next weekend I fly out to LA because we have this movie thing going for Rotten Tail, which. You know, if you want to be really cool, you should buy Rotten Tail because it's going to be a feature film. It's in pre-production now. So I fly to L.A. Everybody else is doing uh, another convention in Mount Clemens, maybe, on the 11th and 12th. 
And then the next, and then I think we all have a weekend off. We have that store signing at Comic Signal on the 19th. That's the, and then the 19th, there's a yep. comics, there's a store signing at Comic Signal, which is always really, really good for us. But another group of four of us is going to Memphis for Memphis Comic Con. And another group of three, same weekend, with a store signing in Memphis, is going to Chicago for Chicago Days of the Dead. See, now I'm... On one weekend. I'm just trying to think, like, obviously the big publishers, Marvel, DC, they have their booths at multiple cons in a weekend. But I don't know many of the smaller publishers that have the teams that can be broken up like you guys do. So here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Through the, it's all sort of this like happenstance thing that sort of worked out. It's through building the Michigan Comics Collective, I sort of inadvertently all like built an army, right, yeah. of people who are into it, who are interested in it, you know. And we try to make sure everybody gets something out of it. I mean, obviously, not everyone is, is getting paid a wage, or I mean, I don't get paid a wage. <laughs> But um, you know, we make it. We try to make it worth everyone's while. You know, you like you, most of the time if you're working with us, you're going to a convention and hotels free. We try to cover all that kind of stuff. And, well, you know, and we use the Mission Comstock. It's, it's still around. We it's still putting out books. There's a new volume of the anthology that's out now. It just came out not too long ago, and it uh, it's doing really well. And we are using that as. I mean, we, we kind of use that as a farm team for people that we are going to pay page rate to. You know, like the first anthology, every single person who worked on it, who wanted to, has done some paid work at some point or other for some company, either SourcePoint or otherwise. Every single one who wanted to, you know? Well, that's what, like, you, me, and Seth DeMoose uh, last night were kind of discussing about the Michigan Con family, like... Which pretty much mostly comes around you and people, SourcePoint, and people that you put together. You brought a lot of the artists and creators together. But just how much of, like I said, it just feels like family that we are all part of here. This, uh, the, the Midwest scene in general is, and I mean, we do these shows coast to coast. You know, I've been to Boston this year, which is a wonderful show, by the way. Uh, New York City... Uh, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Orlando, Orlando. I mean, I've been all over the country this year. The Midwest scene, I think, is uh, far and away like the most tight, tight knit, and um, which is a problem, really, because of the after cons shenanigans. But, <laughs> um, and, but just so generally supportive, right? Mm-hmm. Like people want everyone else to do well, you know. And if, I don't. Sometimes I. Sometimes I don't even know if the general comic reading populace in, in the state and in the region has any idea, like, how much talent at, at the top level, talent at the highest level, like, live around here, you know? And mm-hmm. all the way down to, like, I mean, there's a huge underground in indie comic scene in, in Michigan and, you know, the tri-states and all well, that. Well, I just, I like seeing even... Um well, obviously, whenever there's a new title or a new book or anything, like checking out the artwork and be like, "Wait, who's this guy? I didn't know you know this person before." And then now they have a book with who you. I mean, I don't know how you're the godfather that hooks certain writers with artists <laughs> up, but like, I you do it. I do too. it a lot. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think part of it is um, through doing the collective. You, we kind of made it our business to try to get to know as many people who are hungry as possible. And then when we became a publisher, we had built an army of people who were on board, you know, 
like true believers in the cause, I guess. <laughs> Um, you've expanded like your your people outside Michigan too now. Like Bob Saley's doing something with you, right? Well, that was just a matter of quality more than anything. Um, you know, uh, Bob had so he's I think most known probably for the Salvager series, mm-hmm. um, which I think is is quite good. But and he's he's sort of like he's thrown it at me a few times to talk about it. I I don't know if. My issue with it is is that he's it's it's a little bit um, it's a little bit like oh this could go on forever which is not what we do right we do things that have, are limited mm-hmm. um, and then, then the other thing is we we're, we're kind of already doing two like sci-fi things right now so I was a little less interested and then he pitched me this uh, different idea called Shelter Division and I it, it, I mean the art is amazing I thought the story idea was really cool. Uh, Bob also is really easy to work with. He's also really easy to interview and talk to. Oh, he'll yeah. talk forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it was an easy decision. Plus, he, you know, when we talked, I was like, I'd like to try something different. You know, I'd like to try, let's try this release a page every two weeks as a webcomic. And then at the end of it, we'll bind it in one book as opposed to doing issues. And let's just see how that goes. Let's see if we can figure out how to make a webcomic build a girl. Because people do it, mm-hmm. right? Like Kaylin Smith with Plume. You know that she's got that figured out, right? How to do it? Um, that isn't something we've tried, so I want to give it a go. And Bob was completely down to do the experiment. Um, another guy, a uh, Philadelphia guy, Stan Kanopka, you know, yep. is another. And then, and we stretch all the, you know, Toronto, right? Like the whole Toronto scene is connected into the Detroit scene, which is connected into everywhere else. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you got. It, it's just like the footprint in the Midwestern geographical region, like is just fucking huge man and my I ultimately want people to be like yeah fuck LA and fuck New York man like the epicenter of comics is is around here it's right here finding out even some of the bigger names people that I grew up reading Detroit natives like holy shit Detroit has a lot of more people Keith Pollard and Norm Brayfogle than I even freaking knew and there was a whole group of guys called the Detroit crew in the 80s Oh, really? Yeah, like Keith Pollard, Arvell Jones, a lot of those guys who are doing regular page work for, you know, for Marvel and DC. Well, um, let's talk about someone, was he, I don't want to really touch too much on it because it's been talked about a lot, but uh, Gary Reed. Oh, yeah. um, So, I I started off as a, I was just a fan of Gary Reed's. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm from Michigan originally. I grew up here most of my life, and I've been a comic fan most of my life. And if you're all those things, then Caliber Comics is something that you ran into if you're about my age. Yep. Right? Because I'm 13, 14, 15 in the early 90s, and that's about when you are like, oh, yeah, I'm still reading this. Because this is before Marvel and DC really grew up. You know what I mean? They're, they're still doing a lot of the storylines are often young, geared young. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to grow up, and you start looking for different stuff. And, you know, that's when you find things like The Crow, and you find things, you know, like like Dead World, and, you know, uh, Realm, and, and all the things that Caliber, you know, was, was starting to do at that time. And I, I was, I mean, I remember the first time meeting Gary, it was like, I thought, you know, I'm like, holy shit, this guy's Gary Reed. And then he was just so fucking gracious mm-hmm. about everything because I had already I was running the MCC at the time when I first met him but nothing else was going on just just that and um, 
you know, I, we were at a show, a little small show, and I just went up and was, you know, talking to him and asked him questions, and he was, he, and he had heard of what we were doing, and he's just like, I, I think that's really cool, you know, like I can let me know anything I can do to help, but you know, I can help you find artists, and you know, because he was, I mean, Gary was plugged in, you know, he'd been in the yeah. business for thirty five years, and so uh, we ended up becoming, you know, I mean, for the for the four years or so that I knew him. Um, I feel like we became good friends. You know, I talk to him maybe once a week or so. Um, I give him, people have asked me before, um, I mean, not even too long ago, I was interviewed on the Joe Schmo show, the Jared Gafford show. Yep. And he, you know, he asked me like, you know, who is, who's your, who are your influences? And the first guy, Gary Reed is, is my influence. Like I want to do what he did. You know, I want, that's who I want to be when I grow up essentially is, uh, you know, this guy who, wrote a few things that people think are amazing but more than anything is known for being a backbone of the non-mainstream comics community you know he was this guy who brought a ton of people together and launched the careers of some of the biggest names in the business and gave people a chance and did different types of things you know that's the biggest thing different types of things than... different types of things things that maybe everyone else is like ah, I don't think I want to hey man it's alright <laughs> it's too bad they don't have a video of that don't make it weird <laughs> don't, don't make it weird um, uh, so he, um, I, you know, I give him a ton of credit because he was a guy that I, I mean, shit, dude, like he was, he helped me put together our very first contracts, you know, and I was like, Hey, so what sort of things are in here? And he would like send me like, well, this is what caliber uses for this, you know, so you can take this format and just change it to be around with your stuff, you know, and that was our original contracts were basically caliber contracts, but source point. Price. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was never an issue of like, oh, you're trying to, he was all, he was all about like the scene, you know, let's make it stronger. Like, oh, another publisher is going to come in and actually put some money and time into this. Like, fuck yes, let's do it. And he was just hundred percent supportive, you know, mm -hmm. and I talked to him all the time. Like the, when we first got the first film option, you know, and they sent me the contract, uh, he was the first guy who ever saw it outside of me. You know, I was like, cause he's been up, he's been up and down that road, you know, and honestly he looked at it and he got back to me. He's like, this looks like fucking bullshit to me. And he was right, right? Like it was a bullshit. Without his, contract. let's let's first though. Let's think about you. Like you getting that contract, you were probably like, "Holy crap, we got a contract." I'm uh, bitter and jaded. Well, no, I'm <laughs> I'm jaded enough that I, you know, I'm not going to take things at face value. On the other hand, when you get something like that and it's the first time. It's very hard to not just be like, oh, this is so exciting and be like, and, and you read stuff and you're like, that, that, that's not a great deal. But you, you gloss it over and you're like, well, you know, it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, no, he, and when that happened, he completely took the wind out of my sails. But that was Gary, right? Like, and anybody who kind of hung out with him, they will tell you he was like kind of blunt. And he was like, this is just, this is a bad, bad contract. You know, so he, um, he really, really helped me a avoid some pitfalls that I probably would have happily fallen into if it weren't for his influence and his being so generous with his time. Um, on top of that, he was just an awesome dude to hang out with. Um, yeah. I'm well, forever grateful that he went out to Boston Comic Con with us this year. And I basically got to hang out with him for three solid days just doing nothing but... And we sat at the, at the hotel bar Saturday night in Boston. Um, the other guys... I had gone to dinner and went to sleep and me and Gary sat up and just had drinks until the bar closed and you know your boss guys boss comic con's a pretty major convention and essentially all night long you have like a who's who 
of people like you know wandering up to be like oh hey Gary how's it going you know and mm-hmm. then it was I mean it was amazing I was very incredibly lucky to have the amount of time with him that I did and you know his uh, the loss of Gary and there's never like a great time but like the way it was and the suddenness and you know yeah. he was at Monroe and everybody's hanging out you know at Mon- after Monroe Comic Con and that's one of the biggest things too I briefly have gotten to meet him once and stellar dude yeah like very awesome and hearing then right after a weekend of you guys seeing him at, at the con that's just one of those weird strange quint- like it was how- it was it's a loss that cannot be um it almost can't be understated for how devastating of a loss it is to the comics community particularly in the michigan area you know i mean he was a real backbone and i think I mean, there's a ton of us who just want to make sure. I mean, you got, I mean, there's us, uh, Source Point Press, uh, you know, me and Josh, uh, you know, Dirk Manning, um, and, uh, Tony and Tony Milo and Bill Pukowski, Rocketing Studios, uh, you know, Casey, David Hayes, like so, so many. I don't, I don't want to start listing names, then that's all we're going to fucking do. Cause there's <laughs> a ton. Yeah. And I also don't want people to feel bad, but I know all of you assholes. Um, <laughs> You know, I think everyone is so committed to just, you know, keep it going. You know, the, the Dead World Soda people, Paul and Janelle Burke and, you know, uh, Chris, who helped Gary run Caliber Entertainment and all that, you know. We don't want the, at the very least, the legacy of what Gary did, which was try to make this an epicenter of independent comics publishing, you know. Well, that's what we I don't want to let that go away. And that's what I see you guys continuing to do, like... Even seeing you grow, and obviously all, all the stuff that you've said you've learned from Gary, right? I'm hoping Source Point, you know, you carry on that legacy, and I see you guys doing that. Well, we're gonna try, man. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna try. Um, well, well, let's well, let's let's switch pages to what's new, what's what's in the future, what's coming up right now that you guys obviously the Rotten Tail, the Rotten Tail film is probably uh, well, definitely like money wise and time wise is. Is probably the biggest single thing. Like we're we're really putting a lot into it. Um, now I'm not. This isn't this isn't the sort of thing where it's like, oh, this is a multi million dollar film, and it's gonna, you know, that's not what it is. It's a B horror comedy movie, right? In the vein of Evil Dead, but with more bunnies. Yeah. Um, but David has some experience with doing films too. Right? He, a really, lot. Like and yeah, particularly awful films. Yeah. So that's why we brought him in. <laughs> So I know that we've talked about back in May about you having gone to Hollywood and talking about things. This is obviously the fruition from that. Well, it took eight months to get this thing rolling. Um, so I, I don't. I was not in the film business. I don't want to pretend I know. I didn't go to film school or any of that shit. You know, I'm a guy who's like. I mean, I'm a scientist more than anything, really. You know, like that's. That's what I did in the day job, you know, yep. uh, research and development. So, but I'm relatively savvy. I can read a contract, and I'm not really afraid to t- talk to anybody. And I'll ask bunk, bunk questions. So, uh, but I was still like, and there's going to be a, a bunch of film people who probably will listen to this and be like, "Yeah, well, no shit." Um, but I was blown away by just what a pain in the ass it was to b- put this whole thing together, you know, and get like, "Oh, we've got the oh money's money's taken care of," and oh, now the money's not. Like, oh, well, the money's, we got the, we've got the money. Oh, but the distribution deal isn't quite what this investor needs it to be, so he's out. And when the one guy drops out, the other guy drops out. 
fucking fuck. You know, eight months of this shit before finally it's like everything goes click, 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 click. And then once it's like, oh, hey, we're done. Then you start getting people calling up being like, oh, well, so, uh, you know, so can you still get in on that? It's insane. <laughs> this, this, it, it's a crazy, like publishing is a weird business, but this thing, another level entirely. Um, anyway, that's probably not news to anybody who's been even tangentially involved with it. But for me, I was like, God, this is so frustrating. But is this something, though, that you'd want to pursue with other properties that you guys have? Or it's kind of well, like Well, we've a- already started talking about... Uh, so we signed a distribution deal for up to 14 properties. Okay. So we're definitely already in development on uh, I think five of ours and three that were brought to us through the distributor that they want to turn into a film but they want to turn it into a graphic novel first. Okay. So that was it's kind of a two-way street with us and them at this point. So like total, I think there's eight or nine things that are sort of floating in the nebula, and then the furthest along is Rotten Tail, which is actually in pre-production casting as we speak. And you know, so that's that's kind of like the main thing. Um, we also have uh, the Holliston graphic novel comes out, uh, you know, officially next week, this coming Wednesday. We we were selling it at this show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so far that's probably our most successful pre-sold book of all time and we, we expect it to, to continue to do very well it's um, based on the TV show by Adam Green it's like a Big Bang Theory for horror nerds um, it's really funny art by Steve Shard it's great uh, written by Greg Wright who did um, Monstrous which is our perennial best selling title um, man what else do we have going on do you have uh, anything groovy coming out Anything what? Groovy? Oh, well, there might be, yeah. <laughs> I'm still not supposed to announce what the project is, but yes, we do have an... Uh, we do very, have an, uh, a very... Uh, you keep teasing yeah, uh, for so many people. We do have a... It, it's, you know, a, a real live Evil Dead project. We, you know, we... Are you allowed? Able... To, I don't know if you're even allowed to say that. So I'm, I'm not saying anything. No, we can say that. We just... We, we're not supposed... To, I can't talk about what exactly what the project is. It's... I, it's not a comic which is what I've been telling like the many many writers and artists who have asked me about possibly being involved now there is going to be some art that we will use ultimately so it's not like there's no hope for all of you listening it's not like there's no hope but it, it's not a comic project now I know something that we talked privately of not even what the project is because you're still keeping that secret even from your friends but I understand <laughs> but well, you, you we media gotta, fuckers at least <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But we got into a large discussion of rights and this and that. Oh, uh, yeah, the rights. Holy cow. And if that's not even something that will give it away, I want to yeah. go explore that at some point because you blew my mind with Yeah, the rights on uh, the rights for the Evil Dead property are, are very convoluted and kind of all over the place. And there's only bits and kind of bits and pieces you can get. And there are certain people that control rights for like this type of a product and certain people control rights for this type of a product. Um, essentially for us basically um, the end of Evil Dead 2 as soon as Ash hits the uh, the transporter the portal that our stops we can't touch anything after that so no army of darkness because that's an entirely other and that's what blew my mind when you told me that I did not I guess it's something that I don't really research to know. Yeah, well, this is something you, when you start dealing with any kind of licensed properties, you get into all kinds of all kinds Shit. of like weird things. And then like now we're getting into other companies licensing stuff from us. You know, so now I'm starting to see it from both sides. So it's like, okay, well, 
you want to develop a board game, cool. You know, there will be a license for, like, board game. Maybe it'll tie in with a card game. But I'm not going to, you're not going to get, like, a license to make products on, say, Monstrous because, fine, you want to do a board game? Well, I want to also sell a separate license to make action figures and a breakfast cereal and fruit <laughs> snacks. Oh, you know? Well, I'll awesome. George Lucas the fuck out of it if I can, believe me. <laughs> I have no dignity. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But but now, I like, seeing it from both sides, now I kind of am like, ah, I can see how this has gotten, everything gets broken up in this in this way. And that's just, and that is one of those things that I, we might just do a whole podcast on licensing because it, as you said, it's very interesting. People don't normally think it would be interesting, but when you really get down to it, I guess... A half-hour hour show would be interesting enough to, to, to get some people to be like, I never really thought about that. As even what you just said. With I tell you what, I will. Uh, I will. I'll give you my lawyer's contact information, and you can. His name's George Geddes. He's a, oh, I love doing lawyer shows. I know fun, Derek Becker loves doing them too because he's a fun guy, and he he's real into IP and licensing and all that, and he can. He can take you to school a lot. Believe me. Well, let's go He'd back. Love it. Let's go back to. Uh, Rotten Tail, you said casting's already started. Has anyone been like, hey, hey, since this is our property, can we maybe get on the background of sitting, eating, drinking coffee? Or Oh, I'm sure that there will there will be. You know, David is going to end up on screen, whether he wants to or not, at some <laughs> point. You know, I'm, that, that sort of stuff, yeah. You know, um, I mean, plus... Speaking what? of you specifically, though, are you... Me specifically? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, maybe. We'll see. Drunk guy number one? Like... <laughs> Or one through four, and they have to they have to keep uh, reshooting that scene, so you just keep because I'm actually breaking. drunk guy number one. Yeah, no, um, I, I don't know about me. I mean, David will almost certainly end up in there, one way or another. I don't know if I will. Um, I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. I definitely plan on going out there for a lot of the principal photography. I don't know that I'll be able to stay out there the whole time because, you know, I've got the two little kids, and it's over slightly over two weeks of time, but. I'll try to be out there for seven, ten days or something at least. You know, be a part. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be a, you know, I'm a producer, so I should produce. <laughs> well, um, all I have to say is I know we've taken up way too much of your time right now. Oh no, it's it's great. I love talking to you guys. But uh, well, we'll definitely be talking more in the future, especially when more stuff keeps coming out. Because yeah, I mean, we've got like uh, Nora two just came out. Three comes out in a month and month and one month and a week and rot. Two came out and Rot Three comes out in a month and a week, and um, just after the new year, I think maybe mid January, we're going to launch a Kickstarter for our first like boutique book, okay. um, which is going to be uh, well, you know Casey, mm-hmm. uh, she wrote Nora, um, she did a horror series of horror short stories called Pieces of Madness. Madness yep. Right so there. she's added a bunch of stories to it. We're going to republish the first one, but now it's illustrated. We're doing like hardcover, slipcase. Oh, cool. um, Ryan Lee did, is doing the art on the cover in the slipcase. Awesome. He's fucking amazing. Well, and we saw Jim Toe and Ryan Lee walking down the street. Big when show, coming, Jim Toe. And, and I just, uh, I just screamed across the street, nerds! <laughs> and all these people started laughing around me. Like, I mean, there are people. I'm allowed to say that word. Oh <laughs> yeah. So uh, up the river number two yet? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, does anyone harass Steve about this? Or just no, me? Just it isn't an interview without asking you. I mean, I already asked him that like three times throughout this weekend. Yeah, I, and I was, I was like, first I already asked him. So, so glad that done. you just said that. The first <laughs> seven scripts but you're, are done. You're in charge, so you need to 
whip. Oh my god! Whip your people in the shape. Have you man. met Steve? No, he's actually. like a fucking. He's like a piece of clay. The more you hit him, he just gets more misshapen. <laughs> it doesn't even work. It doesn't do anything. He's like Bobby Hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, Travis, thank you so Pounded much on for a lump of mud. <laughs> Thanks for sitting down and chatting with us. Um, we had fun. PA announcer guy, he kind of sucked, but uh, hey, what, what are you gonna do? we had the battle bots going around in the background too. But yeah, uh, I appreciate it, you guys. Hopefully, it's, it's uh, yeah, time. next time we talk, uh, hopefully, it'll be in a nice, quieter setting. Maybe eating beers and I like eating beers. Yeah, eating beers, <laughs> eating and beers. I, I love eating and <laughs> drinking. Those are those are top of tops of my list. Thanks right, a lot, guys. Thanks. I appreciate thanks. it. So here with Dan Doherty. Hey, um, the living legend, karaoke master supreme, still, still undisputed though disputed karaoke champion of the world. Yeah, I'm disputedly undisputed. So. Yes. Yeah. And you were so thrilled to do it last night. Oh, couldn't have been happier. <laughs> the, the, the sincerity is just dripping out of my it's, face. It's phenomenal. Um, so, uh, what's new with you, Dan? Oh man, uh, what isn't new? Uh, I am wrapping up Beardo 5 right now, for all those people who are wondering. Um, I know that I had a lot of, a, a really great amount of pre-sales and pre-orders and all that for the book. And this con season has kicked my butt a little bit, but I'm almost done with the book, I promise you. You've been kind of a road warrior this, this yeah. year, haven't you? Yeah, this has been the hardest I've ever hit the road. So, I think I underestimated how hard the road hits back. Yeah, yeah. Because you're kind of getting towards like the tail end of your, uh, of your year, and yeah, and my life maybe. <laughs> if you keep this this pace yeah. up, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I it's I feel um, like the end is in sight, which is good. But, you know, like today, this this is the last day of this show, and then I have one more show left in Akron, and that's my year. At least that's not super far from your place. No, so it's not too bad. Not like you're, probably, you're driving that, I assume, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. You bring more crap to sell. Okay, yeah. I'll unload my crap on other people. Exactly. Yeah. You already did earlier. Your pile of poo you gave I me. Poo, and I got a turd. Yeah. 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 You just really have a lot of poop-centric uh, yeah. art. Yeah, I, I'm sure Freud would have a field day with this side of my table. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I never really thought of that, but yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, you did an awesome commission for me today. Thank and you. I really appreciate it. We actually announced on this episode the whole uh, pregnancy thing because we've never discussed it before. Really? Yes. Oh, awesome. So, okay. so yeah, Dan was the uh, commission for our pregnancy announcement. It's me. Which is awesome. It was great. Uh, my wife is going to be super excited. It really sounded like Donald Trump right there. That was yeah. tremendous. It was, it was huge. huge. It was, it was huge. huge. Gina. It was <laughs> yeah. Grab him by the commission. Yeah. Grab yeah. life by the commission. Yeah. Yep. That's what I always say. Um, but yeah, it was that was a, a great time. I mean, and I feel a little like a special place in my heart for you right now because I'm a recently, you know, like I'm a new addition to the dad community myself. Mm-hmm. So it's I never want to like do what other people did to me, which is to like give advice or act like I know more than you or any of that stuff. But you do right now. Oh, I know way more than you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but in all sincerity, like I'm just happy for you because. I am really enjoying being a dad, and it's been 17 months of, of crazy weirdness and shenanigans, but, you know, I'm still missing my, my family right now by being out on the road. And, and a lot of it is documented in your new bureau. Yeah, you can read all about it in the new book, which, which is on sale. It is a literally like a mirror of my life. Yeah. Every time a new strip gets posted, I go, oh, that was me. Yeah. We had this conversation, which, it's hilarious. Like, 
literally like twice a week, I send a clip to my wife of like, look at Dan, this is exactly what we had this conversation. This is exactly what happened. It's great. That's awesome. That yeah. makes me feel like it's working. So <laughs> It is. Because it's, you know, I've been sitting on these, these strips for a year. I started writing and drawing them uh, kind of without showing them to anybody uh, during the pregnancy and then after she was born. Mm-hmm. So some of these are strips that I did like last, like in the beginning of 2015 even. And I, I waited almost a, almost two years to post them, you know. So it's it's nice to see that it worked the way I wanted it to work because I was hoping people would relate to it. Yeah, it was perfectly timely for me. So thanks. Yeah, right. I, was, I, I really planned it around you, Derek. That was it. I, I appreciate you doing that. You're welcome. Um, and yeah, obviously you have a pile of poo here, like we were talking about, that is going to be adorning my nursery. Yes. So you are stack. apparently going to be more influential in my child's life than I am. I thought I would. In the, in the early years. At I least. had a feeling. So. No one later to I'll guide, I'll guide your child, okay. boy or girl. Yes, that's that's good. Yeah, that'd You're, be great. You'd be like the Yoda. Yeah, I will be there. I will by that time. I probably will be pretty shriveled up. I don't think you're that much older than me, Dan. No, but I'm feeling it. In terms of this, this tour has taken a lot of my vitality from me. It's like one of those Princess Bride things, just taking years off your life yes. in minutes. Yeah, they're, they're turning the wheel, and I'm just aging. And, and I can hear it even. You hear that, that clicking sound in the background is a wheel turning as I'm saying this. So, yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll see her, his or her 10th birthday maybe. No, and that'll no. be about it for me. Viking funeral, like we talked that's, about. That's good. Yep. That's that's the way any good person should go out. They're friends, friends shooting flaming arrows at their right. uh, kindling body. Burst of flames out on a... If you can find a nice waterfall to get pushed over yeah, for dramatic well, effect. You know what's crazy is that we're not far from that little like that little mini waterfall they have here. At oh, yeah. Rapids, right? yeah like we just push you over the fish ladder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you could push me over the fish ladder on fire, I would greatly appreciate it. That would mean a lot to me. Okay, I will. I will document this, and we'll, we'll put it in writing sometime. It, hey, we already, we do. We do have an yeah, audio. Yeah, we have an audio documentation of this. So if my funeral isn't anything less than fiery and spectacular, my ghost is going to come back and haunt your ass. It's, it's great. It's just, just what I need. Yep. Uh, so at Motor City, we had a conversation about living in Chicago, and you have the greatest story involving a bus. Ah, my, <laughs> my me versus a bus story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, yes, I have a story. Um, it's, it's documented in Beardo, Volume 1, but uh, I can probably tell a little bit more specifically out here. Uh, yeah, I, I got hit by a bus door pretty hard. Now, the, the setup for this is that I was, I was working downtown. At the time, I was still at Starbucks, so I was leaving work, and it was one of those days, and I say this in all sincerity, I always wore my helmet when I was riding downtown. Mm-hmm. And when I woke up that morning, for the life of me, I could not find this helmet. Still, I mean, I just was looking everywhere. Couldn't find it. My my uh, fiance at the time was like digging through everything and yelling at me, and she's like, "Where's your helmet? And you can't leave without a helmet." And I'm like, "I gotta go. I gotta open. This. I gotta be there for the store. Um, I, I was an assistant manager, so I had to be there. So I had to go. I went and did my job, and I'm coming back, and I'm forgetting about how reckless I'm being. Uh, I was flying back to to get back home in time to get in a car and drive to my dad's for his birthday. So as I'm doing this, I'm driving, I'm flying down uh, Chicago uh, Street, and um, and there's a stoplight up way up ahead, and there's a bunch of cars backed up, and then there's a bus. Now the bus is in its lane. I'm in the, the bike lane. Should be fine. Well, just as I get to the door, the guy opens up the bus door to flick a cigarette out, and it was one of those ones that swings all the way out. Of course, right? Not not like a like a CTA bus, but like a like a Greyhound or a Pace bus or something mm-hmm. where it swings all the way out. Perfect timing. 
Like I had no way to avoid this. And I'm I'm on the south side of Cabrini Green, which is a, not a good neighborhood. So I go flying into this bus door, my bike turns into an accordion, and I go flying over the handles and onto the pavement like a solid 10 feet or more. So I told you all that, right? Yeah, you did. And then a couple things happen. <laughs> I check to make sure, I'm laying on the ground, I'm like, oh no, something's got to be broken. Like, I, I have to have broken something. And I'm, like, checking my body like you would check for your wallet. Like, where, yeah. where is the Where's the break? Yeah, where's what's sticking out of me? Where is it? And, like, feeling my face. And as I'm doing this, all of these dudes from Cabrini Green who were, like, really shady looking. I mean, I'm not trying to generalize, but just imagine being already, like, on your back in, in a lot of pain. And then a bunch of dudes come up and they surround me. Like, just completely around me like a, like a circle. And I felt like it was like Huster's last stand. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh no. And they're like looking at me, they're like, dude, I saw the whole thing. You gotta milk that. You gotta act like your neck's broke. I'll come into court with you, you just give me a cut. And I'm like, guys, just give me some air. And they were like, no, 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 man, that guy was totally wrong. You shouldn't have done that. They were super helpful. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to say. They helped me up, I'm like brushing myself off, I'm a mess. Guy came out, he felt like a total jerk. I mean, he, he was really sad about it, whatever. And then, of course, like, I didn't, I felt like, like, maybe I'm okay, but they told me I should get in an ambulance, go to, go to the hospital. So I do that. I was fine, but my, 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 uh, my fiance at the time, she had to come to the hospital and see my bike. It was the first thing she saw, and it was destroyed. And then, so she came in and she thought I was pretty much going to be dead. But I'm like, yeah, I think I'm okay. I got a little scuff on my knee and a little bruise on my shoulder. Really lucky if yeah. you hit that hard. If I would have hit the ground with my head, I would have been dead. Yeah. Easily. Easily. Or you're I, getting coloring books instead yeah. of drawing things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would be, yes, definitely. So um, so let that be a lesson. Always wear your helmet. Um, what are the other lessons here? Don't flick a cigarette out of a door. Watch out for buses. Watch out for buses. They'll attack you. They will attack you. Um, people may be better than they appear when they first run up at you and surround you. That might not always be a bad thing. And um, I really should have just called in sick that day, I think. Anyway, that's my story. It's a great story. Yeah, I, I tried. So so I have one more question that's touching evil related. How are you coming on the uh, like Kickstarter bonus stuff? Um, are you there yet? Yeah. Do you not have the rest of yours? I haven't yet. What do you have? Because I know that... I, I have the book. That's all I've got. Okay. So I think for the people who I was seeing at shows and I was just handing off stuff, okay. I don't think I got all of you guys, but everyone else that got mailed their stuff... Oh, good. I, yeah, so so Derek, really, this is a slight on you now. Like, I... <laughs> really, the crux of this interview, to me, is that I had to tell you that you're going to be the last person to get it. Well, at least I'm something. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, in all seriousness, no, uh, the... The bonus stuff is done, except for like a few of the commissions I have left to do. Okay. Um, I'll have to mail you yours. That's fine. You, you're not an Akron, right? No. You're not going to, okay, so um, I will mail you the bonus comic, but it is done. Oh, good. Yeah. I just don't like you that much. That's that's fair. Yeah. Because I gave it to you when? I gave it to you. You gave show? it to me in Motor City. Motor City. That's yeah. right. Okay. Okay. 
And I remember saying, like, oh, wow. yeah, Derek, the hell with that guy. And then you even messaged me to ask me if I... Uh, Did I ask you? You asked me if you got and the you book said, already, and I said, yes, I got the book, but none of the other stuff. And you said, okay. Yeah. And then you basically just probably deleted the message. Yeah, so. you know what? Actually, I threw that whole computer away, too. Oh, good. What I did was, yeah, I, I said, like, now that I know that, I'm going to ignore it all. And I just, I, I curled it up in a little ball by hand. Like, I crumpled the, the Like computer. your bike. Yeah. Right, just like the bike. But, like, I was amazed at how strong my hands became when they knew that the goal was to crush your message into a kind of computer. Thanks, and then Dan. throw it away. So, yeah, uh, you owe me a computer. <laughs> Better this is turned around. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you owe me a computer, and I'll send you your, your comments. All right, awesome. Well, thanks, Dan, for actually talking hey. and making fun of me the whole time. Hey, it, so was, it was a great I, I appreciate pleasure. it, and yeah. appreciate everything you did this weekend for me. So. Yeah, yeah, happy to help. Thanks, man. <laughs> And that does it for our last convention of the year. However, as I said before, we have many interviews lined up, uh, people that we met at the convention that we weren't able to sit down with, as well as many other friends in the industry that we just haven't gotten around to any other new projects yet. Um, we're definitely looking forward to closing out the year with a bang and then starting 2017 exactly the same. So with that, thank you Grand Rapids Comic Con for your hospitality, for the people that we were able to sit down with and the contacts that we were able to meet, and here's to another year. Cheers.